Welcome to the Crowfall Podcast, where we share stories and perspectives from the world of Crowfall with your host, Chris and Walker. This is Walker, and today we chat about the strangeness of the EK, celebrate Chris's new gaming PC, and talk about some updates recently announced on the forums. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Minds at CrowfallPod. As always, I'm joined by the wonderful and esteemed Chris. How are you doing today, Chris? Hey, I am pretty juiced. Yeah, How about you? I also, are you on steroids? Is that what you mean? When you <laughs> I got some coffee here. Okay. That's kind of like steroids for the mind. It's yeah. not really, it's not the same. <laughs> All right. I'll let the steroid joke go. Uh, so yeah, man. So before we actually talk about the game, Let's let's just talk about your your new gaming PC. So the last time we had uh, a show, you talked about how the game you'd struggled to run some big fights and were running into loading screens just while running around in the world in these fights. Uh, so you'd ordered a new PC, and lo and behold, new PC has arrived. It has, and it's amazing. I. I mean, I I had that computer, the old one, for several years. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't expecting the jump to be this drastic, mm-hmm. but to me, it's it's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's like a completely new game. <laughs> when people say, "Well, it, it runs it runs like butter," and and I'm like, "Well, that's great," but. You know, it's whatever. But uh, it is so smooth. Mm. So smooth. That's all I can say about it. Okay. uh, Well, so, I mean, obviously anyone anyone listening to this probably plays Crowfall. And if you play Crowfall, you're playing on a PC because it's not on consoles or mobile or something like that. So everyone can relate to the excitement of new PC. So because video card shortages are, are so rampant now, you ended up having to go the pre-built route. So mm-hmm. you ordered it, and then you're waiting on it to come. How long did you have to wait? Uh, what was it like when you got it? Was it just ready to go? Did you have to put anything together? Like, what was that all like? Uh, it was completely uh, built. I, I didn't have to wait too long. It was probably about two weeks or so. Okay. Um. But yeah, everything was completely done. Um, I got pretty lights. <laughs> I got this nice little video screen on uh, my my video card. I got a glass, you know, case. The video card has a screen on it. Yeah, it has this little <laughs> video going of uh, of a bird. What? I mean, I. I <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. I I didn't know this was a thing. Uh, clearly, I didn't either, based on my own bewilderment right now. And anyone who's yeah. bought a new computer in the last five years is probably like, "What are they on about? This is you know, this is old news. <laughs> we didn't know about it." All right. Yeah, I was I was googling things, wondering if the videos change. Is it a crow what? by chance? I I I think it's a crow. I mean, I guess it could be an eagle, maybe. <laughs> could be a blue jay, but I think it's a crow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the crow is um, definitely 
flying around and uh in the morning the crow drinks orange juice and that's amazing huh <laughs> this isn't you putting orange juice in front of it and imagining that right it's actually on the screen yeah yeah okay. it shows it shows okay. it on the screen <laughs> I, that won't make sense to anyone else but i asked that because you shared you shared some of this on social media on your just on your personal page and you did have a cup of orange juice in front of the PC and commented on yeah. that. So I didn't, I don't know where the orange juice tie-ins start or end, frankly. Oh well, yeah, yeah. In the, in the video, you can see the screen on the video card and it shows the bird, uh, drinking the orange juice. Uh, as well. didn't... You got to look closely though. I mean, it's kind of small. Right. But, uh... Right. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't going into the video with the investigative journalist glasses on. So that's my bad. <laughs> didn't catch that detail. But I uh, I had to you know go get uh, some orange juice when I saw that I was like Man, that sounds great I need I need some orange juice too <laughs> that's awesome so you wait a couple <laughs> weeks you get it you unbox it it's ready to go you turn it on it's got fancy lights and a fancy video on the video card which is like looking at yourself in a mirror in another mirror where it just like it goes on forever <laughs> I guess I, like I think that I think that might prove we are in a simulation. You know what I mean? Like, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Uh, but no, so you said you said it runs way better now. But I mean, describe for people what it was like before. I mean, you were on the on the lowest settings. Is that true? On the on the lowest settings, uh, I mean, I could run around fine, mm-hmm. but um, the world wasn't necessarily, uh, I would say, beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, it was uh, more blocky and uh i was definitely getting a lot of loading screen time zoning in and out Mm -hmm. when we were grouping i'm like the slowest Mm -hmm. person loading in is pretty pretty bad but uh now loading's great uh super fast the i'm really impressed with the graphics on the high settings like being able to see the lighting Mm. Um, it's, it's way crazier than I thought Hmm. it would be the reflections and, uh, just how the light, you know, bounces off everything. Yeah. That's awesome. And then you said the grass is good. I was going to say, you said there was, there's like foliage shifting around now when you play it. (laughs) Yeah. I can actually see the grass. uh, It's not just a texture. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Oh man, I remember in Dark Age when we, we we were like, man, this world's so crazy. Then we ran up to a tree, and it's just actually like a two dimensional X, <laughs> like it's just flat shapes that are just in an X. So when you're back away, is it creates an optical illusion of it being some sort of tree. But when you get close to it, it's like, oh, wow, yeah, okay, no, just. Just the box. Yeah. For Crowfall's <laughs> come a long way from Dark Age is what we're finding out this week. Yes. Uh, there is lots of good stuff in here. And the armor, the character models mm. uh, all, all look really good. So have you had a chance Which, to fight in bigger groups yet? I haven't uh, gotten into a large-scale fight yet. I've actually been doing a lot of EK managing and uh, zoning out and uh gathering and crafting and stuff Mm, okay cool farming well like i said i just i 
I think anyone that's a PC gamer can understand the the excitement of getting a new PC, and that's pretty pretty cool. And especially when you have a, a game that you're newly passionate about, and it enhances that experience. I mean, like if you had just found Terraria, and then you also got your <laughs> new gaming PC, like it might be cool that you had the new computer, but you wouldn't really know. You know what I mean? Because you're playing Terraria, so. Yeah, yeah. There's. A, I was looking through my Steam library, and I have a lot of games like that. Where, well, I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference on that, really. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go play. Go boot up some Hearthstone or something and see if. I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I, don't, I haven't played Hearthstone in so long. I, I started to do. I, I'll, so I'll be completely honest. I started to make a Doctor Boom reference, and then realized that that's legitimately from 2000. <laughs> 14 so it doesn't make sense um so we'll just let it go anyway people won't even know what that card is probably probably or who knows maybe maybe hearthstone is on a condensed version of the blizzard timeline and so they've already released like hearthstone classic so people are playing that again now like who can know (laughs) who can know what's happening They are, uh, yeah, re-releasing a lot of things. I think the like. I think the whole catalog at this point. <laughs> I think the whole catalog. I mean, anything that came out prior to 2010, I guess. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Anyway, cool, cool. Um, well, so then, yeah, the next thing I wanted to talk about, which kind of ties into what you were just saying, how you've been spending your time, you know, farming and trying to organize the EK and all of this stuff. So. The EK, you know, we talked about it in last week's episode a bit. We talked about just more so the economy, which is directly tied to EKs, because that's the only way you can do vendors. Yeah. But the Eternal Kingdom is bizarre in some ways. And I use the word bizarre because I don't know that it's bad. It's just different. And when something's different, it can feel bad because it's not comfortable. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just... Just bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it it's functionable. Um, anything that you would like to do, it functions fine. Mm-hmm. It's just not obvious all the time. Um, like with permissions, we have the the guild ek, and which is really your tra- ek. Right, yeah. I'm using my personal EK um, for the guild. So we have parcels and guild houses, castle, so forth. And we're also transitioning into making it a trade hub. So being able to have multiple vendors, not just guild vendors uh, from our guild members, but people from outside the guild having vendors in it as well to to place the vendors you have to be a vassal and in the ek there's a set of permissions where you have vassal noble and uh, the person's ek whose it is so that's it there's just those three levels of permission uh, as of right now, those are the main levels. And if someone wants to build something, then you have to allocate building tokens. So 
the first step would be if someone wants to place a vendor, um, they have to be a vassal. If you already have the vendor stall uh, attached to the building, so if I place a vendor stall, then the other person doesn't have to build anything. They're just going to place the vendor in the stall. So as long as they're a vassal, that works. Now, if they need to place their own stall, then you have to give them a building token so that they can build as a vassal. And that might be a little confusing for people who haven't messed with the EK, but... Well, so I'm, one thing I do want to clarify, I guess, though, because last week you talked about how there was a new chest that was for guild members. So, uh -huh. but that's not Vassal or Noble. So is there not a fourth level of permission that is guild member? Um, I mean, you can invite anybody to the EK. Right. So you can um, just have them invited and so they can enter or you can make it public. But no, there's not just a base guild member well, so, permission. So what was the new chest that we talked about last week? Because I thought that's what you were explaining was that they came out with a chest that is is more accessible, has a, a more accessible set of permissions. I thought we said to guild members but it was more expensive and didn't have more slots. Am I mis did I misunderstand? No, it's it's a guild member chest. Okay. Um so I mean we would have to make one and and put it down and see how it works, I guess. There's a I don't know if there is a way to set a different permission as a guild member permission, I guess that would make sense. Cause so your how would you that, know? So your thought is that if the EK owner is in a guild and puts down a guild member mm -hmm. chest, then anyone in the EK owner's guild can join it. Obviously we're speculating a bit cause we haven't actually tried it, I guess, but yeah, that, that's, that's what I, th how I thought it would work. That's, that's kind of the deal with all of the EK things is you kind of have to just try everything mm -hmm. to see what will go and what won't. Mm. Um, Cause it's not actually just laid out in a tooltip or, or, or somewhere. Right. So, yeah, so you were describing before that, so there's, there's building tokens, but those only have to be assigned if a player needs to do the building so if you mm -hmm. as the EAK owner do the building and place the buildings and place the stalls, then people don't need building tokens because they just need to be able to place a vendor. Is that correct? Right, right. And so in that example, we would just make somebody a vassal so they can place the vendor. The issue that we are running into is, well, we also have all of these vassal chests for the guild and... If someone is a vassal, then that allows them to access the chest because the permissions are universal in that way. So we would have to move those vassal chests to a different parcel. Which it is interesting that you can set permissions on a parcel by parcel basis. I would have never guessed that. I would have assumed that there's one set of permissions for an EK, not yeah. parcel by parcel. Yeah. And and now that I understand it better, um, 
I think I, I like it because you also have the ability to have nobles who can place their own parcels. And so ultimately you could have a lot of different people in your EK. They could have their own sections of land, their own parcels, and set their own permissions. So it gives them a way of ownership in that way. So you really can make it a kingdom of multiple people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just having to navigate all of those um, weird things, <laughs> those nuances. Right, right. But, uh, for example, uh, in our Eternal Kingdom, we have a noble who uh, donated a castle. I made him a noble. He placed a parcel in a castle. Um, but he has to do all of the um, EK commands in that parcel. So if we moved the chess up into the castle, uh, we were talking about moving the vassal chests. He will then have to assign all of the vassals to be able to use those chests. So even though you're the EK owner, you can't control the rules of his parcel as the EK owner. Correct. Wow. Yeah. But at any point in time, you could delete the parcel from the EK because it's your EK? Uh, since it's my EK, I can eject anything from what I can tell. So if I didn't want him to have a parcel, I could eject it, or the castle, I could eject it. Okay. Um, but you can't eject things that have chests and items in it <laughs> or other vendor stalls attached to it. Um, so I can't just go around ejecting everything. It has to be an empty building. It's interesting because... Like, let's say you decide tomorrow that you're done leading the guild and you want to be done with it. Uh-huh. It's crazy that you can't just eject everything and be done. Like, yeah, you yeah. have to get people to come in and take stuff out. And potentially, mm -hmm. I guess you could lock them out of it, but then you still couldn't access it because you don't actually have permissions if they hadn't given you the permissions. So then there's just this stuff in limbo, which is kind of a weird place. Yeah, it's um it's it's a little I don't know, it's it's weird because like with chests and things, if someone had a personal chest, I mean we tested this. I was able to eject the chest and even if there was items in it, I could still eject it. But for like a building or something, if I was to pick it up, I can't pick it up if there's a chest in it. Mm. Um and if there was somebody else's building there, um, like another noble, then I wouldn't necessarily be able to eject it with something in it. Ooh, you know what? I don't, I don't know that whenever we tested it the other day, which is just way too specific for the listener probably, but I don't actually think I put anything in the chest when you ejected it. Right, right. Yeah, there was uh, nothing in that one. Okay. You did another test with someone else's chest with something in it well it was someone that had stopped playing so i don't know for sure if there was items in it i see 
Um, so I guess we still don't know for sure, but, but yeah, yeah, even if you could, I mean, I guess though, if you can eject a chest with items in it, then that solves the problem. Because if you could eject a chest with items in it, you could clear a building of chests and then you could eject buildings. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. as long as that's true, then, then there isn't a limbo state, but if you can't remove a chest that has items in it, then potentially you would just have a building stuck in your EK indefinitely. Cause I don't know how it would ever resolve. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I guess you can't pick up a building and put it in your inventory, but potentially you could eject everything. I see. I see. Yeah. Mm. But that's what I mean, you know, getting the, the lingo down, <laughs> all the right. different things you can do. Yeah. Well, and it's not like there's just a menu with radio buttons and drop downs where you're like, Oh, I want these permissions and click, click, click. And Hey, that's how it works now. Like it's a bunch of slash commands that are 20 characters yeah, long yeah. and, <laughs> it took me forever to figure out the building tokens. <laughs> um, I probably type. Was, they're probably like twenty minutes typing the same slash command over and over again. And uh, I was probably actually just spelling the guy's name wrong. Is probably what was happening. But hey, man, I, I, it's you know <laughs> you and I joked about this, and we've talked about it multiple times on the show. But it's just hard to find information because. When you Google, even if you reduce the search results to like the last six months or something, mm-hmm. in a few more months, I guess it will mean that it's already live. But even like it's just hard because there's not a huge volume of, of content out there. And mm-hmm. so when you find something, you just don't know how legit it is. And if it's from like April of this year, even it might be very different from how it is now, even though it's the same calendar year. Yeah, yeah. And as patches and stuff continue to come out, that will continue to be true, which, to be fair, is not unique to Crowfall. Most online games, not just MMOs even, continually patch and iterate and evolve and, and those sorts of things. But uh, <laughs> Rocket League is an example of an online game that hasn't really changed that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty easy to look well, up hopefully. information on Rocket League. Uh, hopefully, uh, touching on the ek stuff will answer some questions for for folks yeah Um, so uh, you've explained kind of that there's you know there's a variety of permissions you can do different permissions per parcel which then enables you to really kind of create a kingdom where people can set rules and things for their own parcels or you Mm -hmm. can control all of it as the ek and only make people vassals right and never have a noble or at least never make a parcel a noble parcel Um, but so then how does the buying parcels side of it all work? Because you can buy them from the shop, like the real money shop, but then you can also craft them. How does that go? Yeah. Uh, you can craft, I believe most of the parcels, there might be some very specific backer ones that people got a long time ago that might not be craftable. Um, But if you buy parcels from the store, the interesting thing about it is you can combine them uh, with other store-bought parcels, but you don't need to spend in-game gold to combine them into bigger parcels. Mm -hmm. Um, It only works for store-bought ones. You can't combine a store-bought one with a crafted one. Mm -hmm. But... um, all store-bought ones can be combined into bigger ones. 
and it's of course cheaper in in the in-game gold part of it <laughs> well um, right but there's a real money cost <laughs> to the yeah, other side that's so. true <laughs> so however you want to yeah spend that money you can spend the in-game and craft them but um it is pretty expensive in-game gold though if you go the crafting route um, along with the materials but um, you would have to craft the parcel and combine them and use in-game gold to make the bigger ones. Well, assuming you're not doing it by yourself and you're actually working with a guild, right? You can combine the resources. Well, true, true. Um, I mean, even with a guild, it's uh, pretty expensive material-wise. Right. But, yeah. So that's interesting. So I guess... Do the parcels, you know, when you say you combine them, is there a limit? Like, is there eventually a parcel that just takes up the holy K that you could get if you wanted? Like, <laughs> where where does that <laughs> road end, do you know? Um, I think the top is called a citadel or a mountain citadel. Mm. And, um, I, I don't know the exact shapes of all of them. They don't... Uh, really show that for every single one until you actually have one made. Hmm. But um, they they tend to, to get bigger. Uh, some of them are weird shapes, like the Shire is an L. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Well, so, and you and I were kind of talking about that because like an REK, for example, they're is a pretty wide variety of buildings. Like there's the big castle you mentioned. There's a cottage or two. There's like a guild hall thing. There's like a manor house. (laughs) I don't, I mean, there's legitimately like five or six buildings. They're not all really close together though. And you and I were discussing, like, if you're going to make an EK hub, making the vendors as accessible to, the, the portal into that EK as possible is probably going to be the best bet so people can easily get to it, right? So they're not running around mm-hmm. the whole zone looking for vendors. Right. But then you were explaining that the, the problem is is that you can't line up where the buildings will go necessarily on the parcels easily. Like, it's not you're not playing Minecraft or Ark where you can just go build it wherever you want because you can't terraform or any of that kind of thing. Right, and and each parcel has uh, building limitations. So depending on how big the building is, you might be only uh, able to place one in that parcel. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one large building. Or um, in our EK, we've tried to get the vendors right next to the hub, so people can just port in and, and see the vendors. But um, with the guild chests, we're going to have to put that in a different parcel. So that kind of makes that distance a little bit longer. And that kind of separates the the crafting from the vendors. Mm -hmm. Because you will need to have the chess, um, you know, in the other parcel, I guess. Now, when you were talking earlier about wanting to invite non-guild players in to set up vendors, is there any advantage to you for that? other than it just makes it a bigger mall or is there some way to collect revenue as the EK owner, as the guild owner of that EK? I think potentially in the future there might be, Mm. there is the 
the tax, mm-hmm. which as of right now seems to just go into the ether. Mm-hmm. But if that tax was applicable to the person that owned the EK and maybe they could set the rate, then there could be a benefit to that. Mm-hmm. Oh man, then you get slumlord EKs that charge <laughs> huge ripoff prices to their to lobbies that want to set up a vendor. Like, you want to set up a vendor? You can do it here. We get 50%. Like, oh my god. <laughs> right. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um I'm not necessarily a, a fan of tax. So I mean I don't know. We'll just have to see how that mechanic works if it's uh, implemented in the future. It's kind of confusing that there is that uh, extra charge and then the money is just kind of disappears. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, again, that, that's common in most MMOs with markets that there's a, a surcharge fee that goes away. Now, as we discussed on a different episode, the, those are usually like an auction house or there's some centralizedness element, centralized element to the market versus this, where you're mm-hmm. literally responsible for setting up all of it. And there is no search functionality. There is no comparison between vendors. So yeah. Yeah. Well, there's already three, there's three gold sinks. I mean, you have the upkeep, you have the listing fee and then the tax. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Uh, there's there's a lot of gold sink going on. Yeah, but outside of the thing is, is that outside of crafting disciplines and belts, which uh, clearly that, that's a huge gold sink. If you know, if you were on a character to level all of the gathering disciplines and then all of the crafting disciplines to legendary, and then get all of the associated toolkits or belts or whatever they are, that would be an enormous cost just in gold but once you've done that unlike gear you never do it again right like once you Mm. get a legendary discipline you're and especially in the belt you don't ever spend gold on that again like it's actually just yours (laughs) (laughs) right which is different than a lot of other stuff in the game i guess is my point so I was thinking, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, so it's just in the short term, it might seem crazy because there's so many things still to spend money on, but maybe two years down the line, or I don't even know if it's that far, maybe it's six months or maybe it's a year or whatever. Once maybe a larger chunk of the player base has legendary crafting and maybe not every one, but the expectation is not that every player can do every kind of crafting. Um mm-hmm then maybe something like that is a lot more useful because there's otherwise not really a gold sink. Cause the other most common gold sink you see in games is, is for repairing your gear. And Oh, true. That doesn't exist here. <laughs> yeah. So if you played long enough, potentially you just wouldn't have any, any gold to, or wouldn't have to spend gold on, on anything. Right. That's, that's exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, cause I, I mean, the only other thing I can think of would be like mounts I guess, because your, yeah. your mounts eventually deteriorate. But even then, <laughs> those aren't that expensive. I was kind of thinking that 
it would be interesting to see a um, a vendor EK permission mm. where where you could um, assign someone just the vendor permission mm-hmm. so they could place a vendor in an already placed stall, mm-hmm. but um, that they could rent the stall. I mean, uh, you're paying the upkeep, but if that upkeep of the vendor stall went to the person that placed the stall, um, that would be in in a way of of doing the gold transfer without a tax, maybe. Mm-hmm. But in that case, the gold's staying in the economy. True, true. It doesn't eliminate it. Which, which that's part of the reason for gold sink is not just so that there's something to spend money on, but it's also so that plate prices don't inflate to, you know, infinite because the gold's not right. really ever going away. Yeah, we gotta get it, get rid of it somehow. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it makes sense. Um, I, hey, I, it's like we talked about last week, though. I mean, it's 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 yet again another example of just like it's what I said at the very top of the show. I think the best word is bizarre because <laughs> it's not like I, I can't say I think it's wrong or that I don't like it. It is different. Yeah. It's just it's different. It's, it's different. Potentially kind of weird. But maybe that's just because it's new and unfamiliar and, and I'm not real smart. I'll just go with bizarre, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So the, the other thing I was going to talk about with, with EK and parcels and building and all that stuff was just because I haven't messed with it nearly as much as, as you have. Uh, as we kind of mentioned, we did some testing with it the other day and I messed around a little bit with it. But I, I was surprised at the way, at, at just the aesthetic choices of it and to be clear this isn't a complaint i don't think it's bad at all i really don't have a a problem with it other than it was just surprising how prepackaged everything is like when you place a cottage the cottage is fully furnished but you can't move any of that furniture or anything like it just has a look to it in on the interior and that is what it is and so like when you go to place a chest (laughs) there's like literally a spot that you could place the chest and I was surprised that that it worked. Again, not mad. Don't think it sucks. Just <laughs> I just kind of thought I could place the chest anywhere in the house. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, there's all these different uh, connecting points. Right. Um, so, I, well, because the buildings only hold so many chests or vendor spots. Um, mm-hmm. So then they have the connecting points there. And you kind of got to run around to see the highlighted cylinder on where you can place things. Mm-hmm. And it's a little confusing because, I, I mean, I like the decorations in the buildings, but some of them look a lot like crafting tables mm-hmm. or other chess. So then I'm running around trying to click on things and <laughs> it's like, no, that's just a decoration. Um, there's also the if you're placing the building or if you own the building, um, the building is always highlighted for you. Mm. So that kind of throws everything off a little bit because it, it's bringing up the option to move it or pick it up. Mm. And in order to get that off the screen, you have to get to another 
item mm-hmm. to change the the highlight, you know. Right, to change the focus or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I imagine that they're going to fix that at some point because otherwise you're just running around the house the whole time and it's highlighted <laughs> that yellow <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> yeah, maybe instead of you change it to a 30-character slash command that you can type in. <laughs> or you could turn it off, yeah. That'd that be fun. Be, yeah. I'll tell you what I want. So I'm, I, I'm, and again, this is the, this is so anti crowfall uh, because it's not about murder and PVP and domination and conquering. <laughs> I hope that they release like options for interiors. Like I, they don't need to let me place and nor do I really want to like place the bed and place all the different boxes and stuff. It's fine for them to have, here's the layout of the interior. Yeah. But let's do some options. You know what I mean? Let's just have let's yeah. just start introducing templates where you maybe you want it to look like this, or maybe it's a beach house, or maybe it's my <laughs> winter lodge, or and what I'm also thinking, because it's August, so right around the corner, am I right? Almost Christmas Ooh. time. And uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holiday themed yeah. Uh, interior. Yeah. Yeah, I need I need a little go. Christmas tree with a little crow on top, or you know whatever they do in that world. <laughs> I don't know. Some Christmas lights, maybe some candy striped things. You know, a Nutcracker. I mean, they they would that would make really good VIP gifts. That's true. Or hey, here we go. Here we go. I'll even be a more reasonable American. Maybe just some Halloween stuff that comes up sooner. You know. <laughs> I like Halloween. Yeah. Do some uh, trigger treating with the centaur. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you could put on like a little uh, little gopher mask, whatever those things are called. Little gopher people yeah. in the game. I can't think of what they're called. What are they called? Do you know their name? Um, what now? The, the gopher little, mask? Yeah, the little people, the little, the little the characters, the race that you can play in the game that's like a little gopher. Gideon, maybe? I just call them. Yeah, I just call them hamsters. Hamsters, uh, okay. <laughs> I chose gopher. That's fair. Probably hamsters, probably better. Yeah. Well, fair enough. But yeah, that'd be cool to see some some aesthetic, some, some more aesthetic options. And again, I get it that you know hashtag Care Bear. Uh, that's fine. I want Christmas lights in my EK. So, <laughs> and maybe jack o' lanterns, yeah. jack o' lanterns, and Christmas lights. For sure. Uh, and if you could have little bowls of candy out front of your house that people could, uh, mm-hmm. you know, grab uh, candy from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have that stupid elk mount on my on my account that looks cool <laughs> when you're standing still, but walks like it has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> um, so it's very unsatisfying. Reindeer, though, you know what I mean? Let me get some put a little red nose on it or maybe some lights on the antler. I don't know. Just there's there's options. We've got good. options. That's all. Actually, as a really centaur, good. you could be. I'll be Santa and you can pull the sleigh. <laughs> You're already a horse. So <laughs> that'll be perfect. Yeah. That is I one feel thing. Like, oh, go ahead. I feel like someone should be able to get on a centaur's that, back. That's exactly what I was what I was interrupting you to say. <laughs> so in not in old WoW, but in retail WoW, you the druid can turn into a deer, uh, which is just like a travel form. 
And yeah, uh-huh. other players can totally ride on it. Oh, no, yeah. that's nice. Might be the that's one nice. advantage that WoW has over Crowfall. Mm-hmm. Rideable mm-hmm. player horses. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I a was... side note on the on the mounts, though. Uh, did you notice that they took out the the sound of the mount? They're just silent when you ride around. Really. Or maybe it's always been silent. I, I don't know. How do you know? The mount... You're already a horse. Well, the horse has a sound. The centaur has a sound. Mm-hmm. But if you summon your mount mm-hmm. on a different character mm-hmm. and then run around, the mount itself, there's no there's no noise. What do you mean it. by noise? Like there's no footsteps? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Maybe it's always been that way, and I've just played the centaurs too much and got it confused. Uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I <laughs> There's no clip-clappy. No clip-clappy. You're looking for clip-clappy. <laughs> yeah, maybe you just think that everything is clip-clappy because you're running around as a horse all the time. <laughs> that that could be. That, that That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's awfully quiet when I'm on a different character. Right, <laughs> right. That's funny. So real quick, I was going to touch as we wrap up here, I was going to touch on a couple of updates. Um, So I thought this was really cool. This was, I hadn't thought of this as a solution, which is why I do a podcast instead of game development. But (laughs) this, I thought this was a a great, a very interesting idea. So basically uh, there's a, and this is, there's a forum post, but they're, what they're looking to do is they're going to have one drag one shadow. I don't know about maybe just one God's Reach too. Maybe I don't know about God's mm-hmm. Reach because it's more limited in how many zones there are. Mm-hmm. But either way, so one drag, one shadow, and then within the drag and the shadow, all of the different zones are mm-hmm. themselves tied to a server slash time zone. So like you zone into the Earth Temple of the drag and that is just you know i don't know where that's hosted but whatever but then let's mm-hmm. say you go to zone one out of the earth temple mm-hmm. well maybe that zone is u.s east right so uh, the siege timers and all of that stuff are based on u.s east time zone and that's where that server is hosted okay but then okay. the next the next map map two in that same drag that's u.s uh-huh. west and map three is EU, and map four is South America, and so on and so forth. Oh, so that that everyone's playing together on kind of a combined yeah. shared server, yet mm-hmm. there are still places where you can play with people who are playing at the same time as you. But if you let's say you are in the U.S., but you're maybe normally you do play at normal U.S. times but you've got a weird week coming up and you're going to play in the middle of the night. Well, in Europe, they're on, right? Right. So now you could go over there, but you don't have to, as it stands today, you would have to take your character out of the shadow and, or the drag and then move it back to the, the other time zone server. Now this will all be in one thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, getting the the funneling of the population i i I think that's a good idea i think i like it 
Yeah, I think you it's, have to see how it works. I yeah. mean, in, unless I've misunderstood it, but I, you know, I don't. I read the forum post and then read several others' takes on it, and that was seemed to be the consensus understanding. Obviously, we'll see what it looks like when they implement it, but I think it sounds great uh, because I, I've thought yeah. that for some time that it's you know it it sucks that on the dreg, for example, just having a U.S. East and U.S. West dregs and then an EU dregs you're not getting all of the biggest guilds fighting each other, right? Like, uh, Yeah, everyone's split up. Right, like we were on U.S. East, I think, in the dregs that we played in where we got points at the end or whatever. Mm-hmm. And on that, it was like Winter Blades and Lords of Death or whatever. But on U.S. East, there was a, there's this giant guild called Valeria that, that runs, that ran that whole thing. And they had like whole zones that were just theirs. But mm-hmm. now all of them will be arguably together on the same server. So, you know, better fights and and just pooling all, yeah, to what you just said, funneling and pooling everyone together, which I think is a yeah. huge win because it does suck to run around and not be able to find a fight, especially if there's a guy on, an, on another identical server at the same time also looking for a fight and you just can't find each other because you're not on the same server instance, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I definitely like having a one overall conflict mm-hmm. where it's um, in the shadow example. I mean, we know that it's all of moon, sun, and earth. Everyone that's in shadow at that point, that's the, the overall conflict or the drags, you know, the top guild. Mm-hmm. Um there's no, well, we were on this server and we were this ring, but on this server over here, these people were the winners and we didn't play over there. You know, it's all confusing. Yeah, well, and it also eliminates like, hey, I'm going to go play on some weird server that's set opposite the time zone that I'm playing at to try and catch it at a low time. And there's no chance that anyone who's playing on the real server that I should be on can catch me because they're on the normal time zone server. Now they're just in a different map, right? They're just in a different zone. So you could go to the EU zone in an off time, but someone from a North American, a North American player could still go to that EU zone as well and find you and fight you now. Right. So it yeah, eliminates yeah. The, the hiding and the, and, and I, I don't even mean it like, like hiding is not even the way I mean to describe it, but just it removes the incentive to try and find the low pop place to to get away with it you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure yeah. so yeah so i'm excited to see that and then as we mentioned last week too you know they've, they're still i guess they got a lot of positive feedback on the handshake sieges where it's you know certain amount of slots available per guild involved and that sort of thing and uh i think that's i guess that's going to come along as well but i don't know they're making a lot of changes that i think will shift somewhat dramatically how how these how the the campaign how the campaigns play out overall because everyone's going to be combined yeah the handshaking will be interesting to see how the sieges work Mm -hmm. uh with with all of that yeah they also mentioned i guess there's been improved performance they've been getting report a lot of reports of improved performance during sieges so mm-hmm. hopefully that will continue and, and that'll get better as well. So more people can do it. 
it's not everyone has to rush out and buy a new computer like you did. <laughs> I, w- I would still like to see um, building destruction at any time, though. Right. right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if uh, I want to go over here and set up a trip and blow up this wall and no one's going to stop me, I should be able to. Well, you, you know? can. Yeah. Just certain times a day, you go certain places to do that. <laughs> but at any time, yeah. you can take a trip somewhere and blow up something. True, it true. depends on where that somewhere is, that's all. Yeah. I want to be able to take down uh, Bell Tower points. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, though, is that that... So I, I agree with you. So the reason is because we are we have largely played in smaller guilds throughout our gaming life, not just in Crowfall, which means that we're skeezers. <laughs> because you, you have to be, right? Because if you're not the big monster, then you have to be skeezy and skeez around somewhere. So we want to be able to, to to hurt someone in a skeezy way, <laughs> and the and I, and I get that. And I so the reason I say that is because I also feel that way. The pettiness mm-hmm. in me is deep. Yeah, but it's the opposite of funneling people together. True. So yeah, I, and I know we talked about it for quite a while last week as well. And I don't really have any new thoughts, but I I I, I agree with you that it's an interesting problem to see how it shakes out over time. Um, but again, like we said last time, and, and maybe we said every episode, but like it's just cool that they're taking pretty bold changes pretty quickly. I mean, the game hasn't been out two months yet, and yeah, we're already making some pretty significant shifts. I mean, for if it if they do go sometime soon to there's one dregs and one shadow campaign at a time, mm-hmm. or at least one copy of that rule set, like maybe if the player base gets big enough, there's three shadow campaigns, but they have different rule sets, right? Or there's three dregs, but they have right. different rule sets. Yeah, but I mean, if that if that ha- if the change they're proposing that we just described happens, I mean that that alone is so different from how it was for the first you know, 90 or two months of the game or whatever it will be by the time that comes out. Exactly. That's so different. So, I mean, how many servers were there at launch? Right. A lot. Right. Tons. Tons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, one, one other, one other set of changes I wanted to, to just touch on quickly uh, is uh, there's some changes to damage numbers. So I wasn't aware of this because again, I'm not super deep into the, the math of all of this, but as it stands now, it's actually possible, and I guess pretty common, to be able to render armor to zero uh, by mm. stacking armor penetration and armor breaking. Okay. This is not intended, and, and I guess there's there's other there's smaller other contributing factors, but those are the biggest factors to it. So what that means is that whether you're in if you're in plate armor or if you're in cloth armor, if you encounter opponents, which especially in group versus group, guild versus guild stuff, which is, you know, or even faction versus faction, but bigger fights, it's more likely that you encounter a, a bunch of stacking armor penetration and armor break, you know, mechanics from other players. What, No matter what you're in, you're just, your armor is zero, so you may as well be naked, even if you're a plate wearer, right? Uh-huh, yeah. So that's not fun to run around as, and to combat that it's possible to stack armor buffs which is called like personal damage modifier but effectively is a damage mitigation buff 
Okay. You can stack that through a variety of sources up to as much as 40%. Wow. So what you end up have happening is you can kind of assume that most people are getting debuffed to zero, but then you run into a group where they have the right composition to boost their personal damage modifier back up to a 40% mitigation and your armor mm -hmm. is worth nothing. So it's just creating a lot of unbalanced fights and a lot of just, you know, not, in, not how it's supposed to work. Um, I see. I see. These are all uh, from spells. Yeah. Buffs and debuffs and that sort of stuff. Yep. Okay. And, and again, they, 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 these are what they explain. And they also do say, there are a few other smaller contributing factors, but these are the major ones they want to tackle first. Um, yeah. So what they're going to do is change it so that armor penetration is capped at uh, 20%. So the most mm -hmm. you can penetrate armor with an attack is 20%, and the armor break debuff is 10%, and it can't be stacked. Mm. So it's just yeah. kind of shutting down the breaking of the armor. Um, and then... I'm actually not... I don't know if I have it up still or not. Let's see. And then, yeah, the personal damage modifier is going to be reduced to 3% maximum is what will be available in the in your talent tree. And then reduce power buffs, which grant personal damage modifier to 5% max, and all are in the same stat group, so you can only have one. So basically, you're only going to have... 8% maximum personal damage modifier if you're spec'd for it and the buffs in your group give you the 5%. Right, right. And that eliminates the, the stacking and elimination of all the armor. Right. Um, I can only imagine running into a group that's aware of that <laughs> with a group that's not aware of that. Right. And... <laughs> Just kidding. Well, there's already, Stop. there's just so many things. I mean, there's, I mean, your disciplines, like your major and minor disciplines, like what quality are they? Did you buy mm -hmm. yours from the vendor and the guy you're fighting has crafted legendary ones? Because that's going to be different. Yeah. And then what yeah. vessel level do people have? <laughs> and then you throw in things like this, which are way less tangible and obvious. And yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you're just getting rolled. On top of, can you press the buttons, right? Yeah. I mean, we talked about it in previous apps of how much balancing is going to be done. Um, I mean, that's just the way of the MMO. But even more so with this, when there's so much PvP, people are going to want those changes um, to try and have the most fair fights possible. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, I think both of the changes, the the um, the changes with the zones and, and the servers and how that all works, I think that sounds cool. And while I have less personal experience or understanding of this armor penetration and, and personal damage modifier stuff, uh, obviously I can read the forum post, which I encourage others to do as well, and, and we'll have links in the show notes for it. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think that sounds like it makes a lot of sense too, because it does sound like it makes it not just more fair, but also just because it's not like people, it, it's one thing if something is just out of balance, right? And like, mm -hmm. oh, your, your special attack crits 
and it's it's just critting at a rate that that's more than we anticipated. But there's nothing you you know you're not doing anything to do that. It's just kind of the way we design the ability. So we're going to scale that back. That's more of kind of a traditional nerf. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not accusing anyone of cheating or anything like that. But this is almost more in line with like an exploit where it's like it's generating because it like the personal damage modifier. I mean they they say in the post that it adds up to modifiers that they thought were only possible by characters using a block power, right? Like, Oh, okay. So it's, it's like, it's outside of what the game intended a lot. And again, when I say exploiting, I'm not accusing people that are, that understand how the game works of cheating or or doing anything unfair, Mm -hmm. but just that the actual result of this is almost just unfair because it's so, such a massive breach of how they intended for it to work. Yeah, yeah. Got to let everyone uh, test it out and break it first. And then we're like, oh, wait. I mean, I, yeah, I got to say, and we've talked about this again before as well, but the the fact that they didn't market this like crazy when it launched, I just love. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it, it gives them time to work out some kinks and it gives them now if they get a big influx, it's not day one of them running it as a live game. You know what I mean? Like they've mm-hmm. got they've got a little bit of experience under the belt. They've got maybe by the time we see huge amounts of players, the servers are all combined. So that's a lot less confusing because I mean I've had some new friends come in, and I mean it's not like it's impossible, but it's kind of weird choosing between <laughs> yeah. fifteen different versions of the same server or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of hard to explain. So. Well, especially with the way the the menu is laid out, you got the different uh, sections. So you got your personal kingdom, and then it goes into the starter worlds and mm-hmm. drags and so on. Yep. Sweet. Well, anything else you wanted to to cover here today? Uh, that uh, will do it. All right, man. Well, that's all for the show today. Be sure and follow us on Twitter and Minds at Crowfall Pod. You can also check out my other podcast, The Walk Show, which explores the walk of life through interviews with a variety of guests, or Pick Up Your Sticks, which I co-host with Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about why gaming matters. All those podcasts can be found on any podcast platform. Thanks so much for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.